commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the bright center of the galaxy, I'm Grex Combat, and you're listening to Core World News, your holy news show in depth coverage of the latest stories from around the galaxy. Now, her new second rundown for May 28, 2021. 99 problems, but a bad batch ain't one. Kyber Crystal Comics Corner. But first, this new. All right, thank you very much, Grex Kondak. Um, and welcome back to another week of Core World News. Um, this week, uh, unfortunately, our pal Adam is uh, somewhere in the western reaches uh, and traveling and can't do the pod this time because he's on location. So it'll just be Grant and I, um, you know, doing our thing, talking about some some news this week and some Bad Batch and some Vader. Um, and pretty excited to just talk about those things. So... Why don't we start off? There's a little news headline, a couple news headlines that rolled through the Star Wars galaxy and fandom this week. Uh, one of which was J.J. Uh, Abrams uh, talking to Collider, I believe, and reflecting on um, why it's critical to have a plan when approaching movies and in particular Star Wars. Right. It turns out always critical. Really? It's always, always good to know where you're going to go. That's what I've, <laughs> I've been told. Or at least that's what I, I gleaned from that, that interview. But, um, but nonetheless, I do love the experimentation with the characters throughout the sequel trilogy. Like I really like, yeah, Ray, Finn, Poe, uh, the ensemble. Like I, I just love all the characters, and I love all the character work. Obviously, uh, Kylo Ren and, and the performances by Adam Driver and Andy Serkis and things. Oh, it's like incredible. Yeah, and Mark Ridley. Hamill. So, right. Some of the it's the it's the best Mark Hamill performance I've ever seen in my life. Like The Last Jedi, I think, has the best Mark Hamill performance on screen live action performance uh, that I've ever seen. Obviously, his material in the animated space is incredible as well. But uh, yeah, it, I mean, so this is, you know, this is a story and I'm really surprised that that abrams talked about it this candidly and it you know i'm, I'm not gonna i don't you know speculate as to motivations or whatever but um just hearing it you know i mean there's plans and then there's plans you know i i always thought there was like a skeleton you know like a rough outline from beginning to end where they thought it was going to go but this his words really made it sound like they severely veered um after ryan johnson's contribution to the trilogy um, and he was really, I don't know, I, he was afforded the luxury, it felt like, to sort of do what he wanted to with the ending. And, um, and yeah, might have might have put it, taken it in a couple of different directions. But um, I don't know. It was, I, you know, I think, yeah. I, I, anyways, I'm just saying they're like, I, there was still a rough plan. It was not like they're like, oh, what's going to go on? You know, like they they knew roughly where these char the character arcs for these people. But, it, you know, um I, I think he was tapped late to sort of put this thing together and, and had to improvise a lot. Yeah. And, you know, with the, the first two trilogies dealing heavily with family and legacy, this trilogy, of course, had to speak to a similar message uh, with, with identity and where, where someone's belonging is in the galaxy and, and among their peers and things like that. And yeah. I think he landed on a really good message. Like that is a strong message. And having read the, the Trevorrow script that kind of 
floated out there on the internet. I, I, I like JJ's message quite a bit. The, yeah. the idea that you can choose your family no matter where you hail from. And even if you, you know, hail from a really disturbing, you know, unnatural process, you know, like this is, you are the heir of the, the, a dark Lord per se, like you can still choose to be good. You can choose who, uh, you know, it's always a choice, right? To be a hero, to do good is always a choice. Um, and that was powerful. I thought it was good. Yeah, I, I just um, I don't know if I talked about this on air last week, but I know I talked about it with you, Grant, off air. Um, I rewatched the um, Rise of Skywalker and I adored it. I, I actually, you know, it it all the beats, the emotional beats hit me the exact same way. All the like action beats hit me the same way. I mean, I was crying again watching, you know, everything from like. Well, definitely Leia's passing, but it was even before that. It got really, you know, it, it really takes off in the second act um, and starts getting really heavy and then really emotional and really uplifting by the end. You know, what? by the time the cavalry shows up with Lando, it's great. And, you know, I, the only criticism I, I could really give it is that, like, we study Star Wars. Like, we study it, everything. And that's really informed this movie. And... That coupled with a couple of quotes from Pablo Hidalgo being like, oh, by the way, he's a clone, you know, um, Snoke was a clone and that sort of stuff. And Pelt was a clone and filling in some of those gaps, um, you know, it it made it makes the rewatch more fun. It, it makes it, you know, the, the the movie has a lot more emotion around it now that we've read the books around the, the you know, the whole thing. And um, yeah, it's. It's a great time. It's still a great series. I thought I thought, you know, he really landed the plane well there. You know, he may have felt like it was slapdash, but it was great. And I really thought he shook hands with um, The Last Jedi really well. I thought they, you know, he answered a lot of questions that were raised by Brian Johnson and like and they they worked together in in great ways. You know, everything from the I don't know, like the relationship with Luke Skywalker. And I don't know. He just he just did great things there. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, this interview in a lot of ways just just confirmed that this this they were building the plane, you know, in the air. Like this was, they were constructing this thing thirty five thousand yeah. feet up. Like this was being yeah. built as it was going, and um, and I think the emperor. I think when Kathleen Kennedy said the emperor was always in the cards, I have to think she was being you know authentic in that moment because I yeah. I think there there you can make connections to the Emperor in the Force Awakens, like her her connection to the Emperor. Yeah. In that um in that movie. It was very foreboding. Uh you felt a sort of dark foreshadowing with that character. You hear the Emperor like wail in her flashback. Like there yeah. are there's connective tissue there that you can start to work on. But it's just I think the Knights of Ren just don't follow through. Like they don't they're they're revealed in the first film and there's not there's no real follow through with those characters until the yeah, last film. But that's on Ryan, right? Because Ryan didn't use them. He just didn't use them, you know. JJ yeah. left it out there for him, like use these great characters, and Ryan didn't touch him. Which is kind of odd. But he did a great job of the development of Snoke and Kylo. I thought that was like yeah, yeah, the absolutely. best possible route to go with, with Snoke and Kylo. So I thought he did a great job with just the dark side progression, uh, story progression. Yeah, it was a bold experiment, you know, to do it that way, to try to do the handoff. And it was mucked up by the fact that, you know, Colin left, um, Trevor left. And it definitely seems to me, based on this interview, that like Colin was against using the Emperor and and JJ was for it. 
you know, JJ left little breadcrumbs for the emperor, like all the way back to, like you said, in uh, force awakens, maybe he was like, well, that could be a misdirector. Maybe it, it comes together. Um, if Colin wants it to, but, uh, yeah, it, it was an interesting, <laughs> it was an interesting experiment and, um, it, it didn't end the way they initially thought it would. And, um, I think, uh, everyone learned lessons on this one. You know, I don't think we're going to, going to get another partnership hand, you know, trilogy handoff like this again, but, um, everyone wants a crack at the star Wars trilogy, you know, at a star Wars trilogy, everyone wants a crack at the Skywalker saga. Um, they had top talent on it. I thought JJ did a great job and, and it's, it's set up so many great possibilities for, um, other media as well, including, you know, Mandalorian's going to backfill a lot of that. Um, and we've been reading comics that do that a lot now too. Totally. And going back to rise of Skywalker, um, that movie was, I, I, you know, my initial reaction to that movie was that I, I, I was not a big fan of it. I didn't think you know a lot of the choices were great but um you know you know with time having passed like i've watched it a few more times and uh and i like it like it's 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 just growing on me i, I do think it pulls its punches i think the pacing is it's just too fast paced yeah, but, um, um i i i wouldn't mind you know seeing a darker take and a longer that movie could be you know far longer than it is like yeah add 30 30 minutes to that running time add an hour to that running time yeah i want like Return of the King. I want yeah, like, exactly. I mean, I, I think we're all we're all you know ready for that. But I, it's, and I think I've heard the argument for a tenth film, but it's like no, it's like it's got to be nine films. No, to me that's yeah. yeah. And we've said on air, I, I'd love another three. You know, I'd love another three. It was sort of a next gen thing where, um, you know, the the main cast from the sequel trilogy are sort of the veterans of the the affairs, and they bring new people in and tackle new things, and and really. You know, I, I just we already got like the Jedi origin story with Luke, right? So like Luke was just trying to like find his way and discovering the force and then like, you know, got into some adventures in the middle there. By the time he was a Jedi, it was, you know, we got him for one movie um, and that was actually pretty cool. Return of the Jedi, we saw like full in him, but we never really saw him in his prime, just sort of out doing stuff. And I'd like to see that with Ray. I'd like to see Ray in her prime, um, you know, pulling together a new Jedi order. Um, I think that would be awesome and fun to see. And I, I want, I want to see John Boyega desperately be a Jedi, like have yeah. the force in, um, you know, and that was one of the parts of my rewatch of rise of Skywalker. It was like, I, so I missed it the first time through. I didn't know it was Adam was like, so is he force sensitive? And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, not movie literate, I guess, but, um, yeah, and then and, and so this watch through, I'm like, oh, it's like every scene they drop yeah. a hint. Every scene, there's like a thing that's like he's referring to the force and how the force is guiding him, or he knows a thing that he could only know because of the force. And it's, I, it's, it's cool in that it's really subtle and like the fact that it, it blew right over my head. But you know, it'd be cool to see John Boyega with a lightsaber just like doing awesome stuff too. I do think that's something the sequel trilogy does really well, which is um, kind of imbue everything with the force. Like you could interpret something as being done by the force, the meeting and enc an encounter, uh, an item falling or landing in someone's hand or someone using something, a uh, device yeah. of any kind. You can, at, at any point in the sequel trilogy, you can say, is this the force at work here? And I think that the filmmakers did an incredible job kind of uh, yeah. um, 
begin to feel like the force is all around you. Yeah, that was what I really liked about um, Rogue One. I just rewatched that as well. And um, yeah, the Chirrut Imwe character sort of creates this device where, you know, it just makes it possible that any little thing could be the will of the force pushing you, you know, in the right direction. Yeah, that almost turns into a Tarantino movie at that point where you're like, is everything like uh, divine intervention, like manifest destiny? Yeah, yeah. And um, definitely he's like, who's in the next cell? And you're like, oh, it's the guy we're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Coincidence also helps keep the plot moving along. So why not? Right. But right. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Um, you know what? The other the other title or other news story sort of dovetails with this. And it was just that like Zack Snyder was going to make a Star War at one point. I didn't know this. Did you know this? I saw this. I saw this um, clickbaity article. It was like. Zack Snyder was planning to make a um, Seventh Samurai kind of inspired Star Wars movie. Which is sort of like redundant because they're all inspired by Seventh Samurai. I was Samurai. like, yeah, that's, I mean, when you first learn about the influences, you know, George's influences on in making Star Wars, it's Seventh Samurai is like, you know, the first thing that pops up. Right. And, uh, and so that's always been an aspect of star Wars, you know, like everything we've seen has had a little bit of seven, seven samurai in it. I mean, rogue one feels very seven samurai. We saw an episode of Mandalorian where everyone comes together to, it's literally seven samurai. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like the obligatory. (laughs) It's like, it's been made at this point. And uh, so I don't know. I I don't know. Every piece of fiction at some point, like science fiction or even fantasy, like at some point we'll have like just an homage. They'll just do it. Like if you need a filler episode, you just do a seven samurai copy. And like, you know, you just get like a ragtag group of people defending a village and it's like, bang, that's I did go. like I, I wouldn't mind a long movie, though, like a long um, Star Wars film that does <laughs> like a four hour like, plotting <laughs> seven samurai. Yeah, like I wouldn't mind, yeah. that, honestly, like if that's the plan to do, uh, you know, just go league level length on this thing. Yeah, let's, go. let's do it. Yeah. I mean, so I. I re- so this was the headline was that he was going to do it. I didn't, you know, I never heard a, a rumor that he was ever going to do a Star Wars. Why wouldn't you do, why would you do Seven Samurai when you could, and if you're going to do something that's that long, but why not do like the Battle of Malachor or something or, you know, something like that we've all talked about that's in the, in the history, right? That we've seen right. in different incarnations, be it the animated series or spoken about by Yoda at, at different points in time. And in the comics, I mean, you've seen it in the comics too. The, you know, I'm talking about the place where Ahsoka and Vader fight, like that place, that yeah. battle that it occurred. Like, what was that? Like, let's do an entire, you know, either a long dive or a, a deep, deep dive. Yeah, I don't have an answer for that question, Grant, but uh, I can say that's probably the difference between you and Zack Snyder. You know, it just says something about him that he's like, I, I think it's trendy now that people are making. Or, well, I wouldn't know. mind seeing like, you know, like a steady cam shot through like blades of glass, the grass with, you know, like lens flare and samurai, you know, Jedi just kind of like posing. Yeah. Kind of sweet. Like, I, I'm into that. Like, let's do of that course. entire movie. But yeah, no, I, I I'm right on board with you, man. Like I it's I, I think that. Filoni and Favreau's partnership on Mandalorian really sort of brought back the original influences of George and like really interpreted it well. And I think maybe Zach, I don't know. I think he might've been running with that. Maybe not. Now it's going to be another movie. 
Um, I don't know. That's that's all I've got there. But yeah, it's there's a lot of really cool Star Wars stories to tell. And, you know, but it, that's what's fun. It's still at its core. It's science fiction. And so it's a it's a platform for, you know, established directors to make the movie they ever, you know, always wanted to make or always wanted to copy like the, you know, patina they always wanted to have. And just like you lay it into Star Wars and it's an original work. Right just like oh i've always wanted to cut you know do a, a seven samurai like i'll do it in star wars and you know it makes it different you know someone may want to copy gone with the wind or something you put it in star wars and you could probably get away with it and make a good movie but yeah i mean i'm just sad because i don't you know i wanted more star wars and um i would i'd love to see Zack Snyder's. I, I think you could do this in the High Republic era, like with the Jedi who are on the frontier, who are in the mm. outer rim of the galaxy. Oh yeah, it's boring. You know, like that. Oh, yeah. that I could see that being a slow samurai-like show, um, where we're into you know Jedi are patrolling as kind of marshals or rangers, right? Like yeah, out out in the outer rim. That would be <clears throat> that would be pretty interesting. Maybe it's not too late. Maybe we can just rotoscope all the actors, put in some new backgrounds, do some ADR for all the dialogue, and bam, now it is a Star War. I'm just saying. Zack Snyder's movie. Pretty, pretty expensive. It'd be I, pretty expensive. I, I, for one, I mean, it's there's only a couple Zack Snyder films I really like. I mean, I think, you know, his first Dawn of the Dead I loved. Um, obviously, his, his Watchmen film is... Um, yeah, visually stunning at times. Um, I like the HBO show quite a bit more than his movie at this point in terms of story, but it's yeah, wow. visuals are astounding. I think I think most his films have really astounding, kind of arresting visuals. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm there. I'm ready for you know different, very stylized directors to take a crack at Star Wars. But I'm ready for a lightsaber choreography to come back. Like that's what I'm looking for. I want to I want the director I want a director to come in who's really all about the choreography, but really making it an art. Like I like making it look like art. Like what kind of like what what sort of like style would you are you thinking of that you'd love to see adapted to Star Wars? You know, like I can think of like the movie Hero with Jet Li. It's pretty intense. But I, I love, you know, I love the action sequences there. That would be more long. Yeah, like that would be. I mean, yeah, like a crouching tiger experience. Like, like that would be yeah. pretty cool to see. Um, yeah. I mean, even uh, the Matrix, um, like something like that, where it's like a little bit more exaggerated, like slow mo. Mm-hmm. We have, um, you know, characters running down, up walls, down walls. You know. Yeah. Things like that. That would be kind of fun. That would be fun. Yeah, it, it has some room there. there. There's always, you know, the lightsaber battles are always the marquee event for these, you know, movies. And I loved Ryan Johnson's take in the throne room. Um, I don't know. I love that that fight sequence, mostly because it was like all of a sudden this OP fight fest where you have Ray and Kylo fighting on the same side for the first time. And that was just kind of that was fun to see. Um, yeah, it's visually stunning to see the the red background with the. Yeah. Praetorian guards, all their different weapon variations. Uh, Snoke's gold, Snoke's dead at this point. Uh, yeah, corpse just crumpled over the throne. Like that is, that's that was just a really astounding moment when, when the lightsaber flies into Ray's hand. I think that's my yeah. And they like change your lightsabers. Incredible shot. Yeah, they 
you know, and I mean, again, that that's a perfect example of how J.J. Um, Abrams, I think, did that a lot of justice. It was like, you, you know, when when Ben Solo and Ray fight in Rise of Skywalker, it's like they've done this before, you know? They get back together and they're already coordinated. It was like that first time with Ryan and they were sort they're coordinated, but they didn't know why. And then by the time they get to Rise of Skywalker, they know why. And they're like, we are totally in sync with this whole thing. And uh, yeah, it was cool to see. They were drift compatible. You might say. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool stuff. If you're having clone problems, I feel bad for you, son. I have 99 problems. But the Bad Batch ain't one. Uh, hit me! Okay, this is uh, 99 Problems and Bad Batch ain't one. Uh, this past week, episode five of the Bad Batch, Rampage, uh, debuted. Uh, and it was a, a really fun, unexpected uh, episode that we got right here. Um Pretty much, they we, you know, we really shot ourselves in the foot with the title of this this segment. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're gonna it's let a it tough keep one. going. It's a I, tough yeah, one. I don't um, even really love Jay Z, but I do love that song. I think we just we, we had to come up with it within twenty minutes before starting a podcast, and it's you know it's as good as it gets in our writers' room. Yeah, um, our writers' room. Everyone chuckled, <laughs> and we're like, "That's it." <laughs> that one. That one's fine. Um, <laughs> We might replace it later, but nonetheless, I'm a massive love, love this segment. Love this show. This show is got to be um, one of my favorite animated shows thus far. Yeah, it's a blast. It goes wild places. I have no idea what's going to happen. All these people could die any like episode. You know, I don't know. Is Omega going to make it? I don't know. Um, right, so you you were saying you were you were giving us giving us a setup here. You were saying episode was- five. Yeah, I was just going to sort of give a little overview. We have our team. They're a burgeoning group of mercenaries. They're trying to figure out how to act in the galaxy, not as soldiers, but as sort of free-ranging entities. Um, And they need to figure out who's hunting them and why. So they go to Ort Mandel, which is a great pull from Star Wars lore, and um, find an old um, Jedi resource that apparently... Fives or Echo knew about, uh, named Sid, and she tasks the you know, gives him a task in exchange for information, and it's a rescue mission. And, um, that's that's the episode, yeah. Rescue, rescue some kid named Moochie, you're right, uh, yes, from Mucci. some Zagarian slavers. She's probably adorable, it'll be easy. Um, <laughs> sorry, just I, I think at one point. Um, Sid is like, I think we have a deal and just like forces the deal. And it just, they just go to the other side of Warden Mantel to confront these slavers. And, um, uh, and it's, it's cool because Ord Mantel is a fascinating planet. This planet goes back yeah. in the lore way too. And yeah, way back, uh, to the older, to the old Republic precisely. Yep. About 12,000 BBY, I think. <laughs> old Repu- there was an old Republic outpost that was on that planet. I think if you play, uh, I want to say either KOTOR 2 or the Old Republic MMO, you can go to this planet. I think it's M- MMO. You can uh, go to this planet, and uh, it is like an outpost, yeah. essentially. And there's like, basically like, um, you know, ordinance and uh, regional depot, like a, a supply depot, essentially, for um, like, you know, frontiers and um, 
uh, colonists in the Outer Rim uh, who are, you know, part of the expansion effort for the Republic. But nonetheless, uh, that was that's a long time ago. But it's cool because you actually in this episode, you see structures like a destroyed structures, you know, half yeah. buried in sand that look to be, uh, you know, something from a bygone era. Like could be the old Republic, could be, yeah. you know, the high Maybe Republic. Maybe that was the nod. Because yeah, it was, yeah, cool. beautiful. It was like, yeah, like ancient Greece sort of like emerging from the greenery. You know, it was it was really cool. Well, uh, we start we start in that city, though. We start in that city and we go to that that back alley parlor, Sid's parlor, Sid's place. And um, yeah. yeah, sorry. I, I, I just want to give a shout out to the lighting in this episode. The lighting was breathtaking. Like, I love okay. all the characters being bathed in green light in. Uh, Sid's kind of game casino parlor. I love that lighting. I love the lighting of on the Zagarians in the uh, the Havoc Marauder when they're kind of like looking for the um, Bad Batch or um, any anyone inside the ship. And uh, the, the, yeah. the lighting in this episode really good. Check it out if you watch this episode again. Just look at the lighting. It's it's really well done. Um, I don't I don't comment on the lighting enough in animation. I just wanted to do that this time around. Yeah, I mean, they keep polishing their craft over there at Lucasfilm and like in this animation department. It just keeps getting better. Like they keep finding another gear. And I, I don't you know, I'm really enjoying all of it. And definitely, yeah, the lighting is a big thing. Actually, we talked about it a couple episodes ago, like when they're walking through the trees, I would like dappled sunlight and animation like it was it was gorgeous. Right. Um yeah. So, uh, Sid... back, to the, back to the plot, though. Uh, right. They agree to this deal to for the slice of you know the payout as well as you know to go to go rescue Moochie, this kid from the Zagarian slavers. And uh, once they get there, they they start scouting around, and we see we see not 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 only see the Zagarian forces kind of patrolling, we see um, uh, Faline, like two Faline citizens, yeah. or, or I guess. Um, captives uh they're just kind of uh pretty cool because i don't know if we've seen this species in uh, i think we saw it in the clone i think we saw the species in the clone wars i think it's i think one of the syndicates actually is is the right actually the leader of um uh black sun is a zaleen yeah um and we see that during uh one of darth maul's adventure there he sees well, a zaleen of, there. of course the most famous Faline. Prince Caesar of yes. the House in Shadows Shin of the Empire. Shinod, yeah. Shinod, I don't know. House something. Right. Uh, um, yeah, definitely. So that so they're they've been associated with um, with the slavers there, um, which is cool. The Zagarians, obviously, from um, Clone Wars, there was a huge arc um, with where. Obi-Wan and Anakin get captured and become slaves to the, the Zagarians. And like, that's why, like when I see Zagarians, like I'm like, whoa, you got to be careful around those guys, man. Cause like, if they can capture Obi-Wan and Anakin, like they've, they've got a system in place that'll trap you. And, uh, I hate Zagarians. There's, they're the yeah. only like, Oh yeah. They'll spring the, uh, the Brzezak attack on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then they got a Brzezak. <laughs> that's exactly what happens. <laughs> right. So there's a Brzezak. It's a Reptavian, <laughs> which I, I learned that word today. It's half reptile, half bird. And um, yeah, it's like a, it's essentially a dragon. It's pretty wild. And um, uh, yeah, elegant, it's a elegant winged reptile. It's, yeah. Uh, 
looks pretty majestic. Um, really cool, really cool creature design with that that thing. Um, yeah. uh, but it it takes out the bad batch real quick, like <laughs> right it, away. It's like oh, yeah. there's no chance here. It's just it just swings its tail. Um, it just makes a pass. It gets you. It either hits you with its head or swings its tail at you, and it's it's you're done for. That's uh, it. It's very well trained. Like it's it, it follows its master. And yeah, it's historically sinister. they are like they're companions to the elite Zigarians and like the ro- the ruling class. Um, which was which was I just I think I read in one of the the archives here. And um, nice. So that makes me think that maybe the Zigarian leader among these slavers is the is is possibly an elite, or possibly part of a ruling house. He talks about going back to Kadavo and rebuilding. You know what was what was taken or something. You know, okay. you no, I don't. I miss. There's that. like, there's no. I don't think there's any context for Kadavo or where that is. But um, right. Maybe that's the Zagarian home planet or something, or maybe that's his house's home planet. Yeah, it'd be interesting if they expanded upon that character. You know, who knows if they'll tie in. But they're not. I mean, Zagarians aren't all bad. I mean, uh, Farzala in the High Republic comic that we're reading right now. That's that's got to be my favorite character design and Jedi in the High Republic era. Like, I love that character in particular. So, yeah, Zagar- Zagarians are very cool. I uh, would love to lear- learn more about them. Uh, but uh, <laughs> they're also the cat people. <laughs> but Yeah, they also look like cats. That's cool. We should probably mention that up front. <laughs> <laughs> they are cats. Uh, yeah, cat so people. you instantly don't trust them. Or anything they're doing, and you just maybe if they just shine like laser pointers or something, then get <laughs> um, yeah. So, there's also I do want to backtrack a little bit to Sid. Um, so she is an elderly female Trandoshan, it looks like, that runs a really shady bar. And I, I think it's probably a front for all of her side deals, but she's voiced by Re Perlman from um, uh, Cheers, most famously Cheers. Um, it's, that's a great voice acting pull there. They're like, yeah, you need a thing, do a thing. Um, she's a cool character. She might, we might see her more in the future. Yeah. That character is so fully fleshed out. Like I really, that character is very dynamic because, uh, you, she first tries to elude the bad batch. Like the bad batch make contact with her, uh, uh, talk to her and she's, and she's kind of, uh, um, dis, dis, discourteous and kind of doesn't want to help them and yeah. cantankerous and like and just kind of refusing them uh, and telling them to get lost. And then she goes to sit at the bar and then Omega uh, puzzles it out. Yeah, she and like I don't know what that what the intention was story wise there, other than my what I got my read, which is is she a better hunter than hunter even? Like, are in each of these episodes is she going to show that she does as you know any one of their special abilities just as, as good well. or better than them like you know what i mean like that's it's something that i'm really interested in seeing more of that's uh, an interesting that's an interesting take right there i mean yeah I, but, so uh, I, I think we see cool. her like tinkering with a machine and then she walks up to sid and says you're sid and she's like oh you're you're the brains of the bunch um yeah. And um, yeah, Omega is a great character. She's super fun because she's just a walking mystery box. You just you know, she's special, but you still don't know why five episodes in. She just does cool things. She's a kid. She's precocious. She's, you know, covers a lot of blind spots that all the um, the Bad Batch have. 
Um, so it's kind of fun to see her operate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, I just love how, um, uh, Sid interacts with the, the clones, like, you know, kind of insulting them, you know, throughout and being like, what are you, you know, did you just get out of the tube? Like, yeah. You know, you just made like yesterday. Yeah. Come on. You know, she, uh, yeah, she has catch up. Of... I'm talking about mercenary work, Like you guys were our mercenaries. You guys are born and bred to be mercenaries, essentially. Like, yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of, it, 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 it's interesting to see people interact with the clones. I think that's one of the most interesting, like kind of social, social. Yeah. She had a phase two clone helmet in her um, possession on a shelf, which I thought was interesting. She had like a lot of nondescript books and stuff, not a lot to look at. And then, but like up there, she had a clone trooper helmet, which is just like, oh, that's interesting. I knew there were some Easter eggs back there. I was like, there's got to be something back there that's of interest. Yeah. If I were her, I would have collected a phase one, but they're probably really hard to come by. Phase one is special. They They are are special. It's a good looking yep. helmet. It's a good looking helmet. It's a good looking helmet. It's super sci fi. I miss those things, man. They're really, really wild. Um, yeah, so she's she's wild. And then of course, um, we discover through a series of misadventures that uh Moochie is a rancor, an adolescent <laughs> rancor. We've seen baby rancors and we've seen full grown rancors, and now we've seen an adolescent rancor. And uh yeah. she handles herself. Oh yeah, I mean this. Were the title of the episode's rampage? This is where the rampage begins. I mean yeah. this 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 rancor goes, you know, uh, just he goes, you know, crazy and just takes out Zargarian, you know, slavers, takes out anyone and everyone around, attacks the Bad Batch. Like it's yeah, it's pretty and, cool, and it's awesome to see this rancor to hear the the sound effects, like to hear yeah. it roar was was so cool. So as like a sound designer, like I <laughs> all I thought it was like someone opened up the file that says like um, Return of the Jedi sound effects yeah. yep. and it's just cut and paste, drag and drop. There's even one where the Zagarians, after they investigate the uh, the starship um, and they hop on their speeders like it was the that series was just a cut and paste of the two scout troopers in Return of the Jedi getting on like everything from the like zoop, like sound. Yeah, this like this how is they, my favorite know. episode so far, I think, because of the sound design and because of this scene with the Rancor initially kind of running around. And, and, right. And, and the Rancor sound is identical. It is identical. Did it pitch it up at all? Because it's a young adolescent Rancor? Like they Maybe a touch. I think but it, probably a touch. It's, no, because it, it. I always remember it sort of feeling high pitch. In, it like, is the exact the sample, yeah. though, which was instant nostalgia for me. Yeah. And then is the big question at the end of this episode is <laughs> is Moochie the rancor Malakili's rancor from All right. Return of the Jedi so i did some digging and <laughs> and actually i have to actually i got to rep this site so it's called den of geek every week they put out a like easter eggs um file which i don't read every week i like to figure it out on my own but this week i popped up and i thought i'd take a look at it and um, it's it's pretty good. It's I'm not going to say comprehensive, but it's pretty it, it's fairly comprehensive. They brought up a point that I missed because I thought the same thing you thought, Grant. I was like, that's got to be the Rancor. But they did they did the research. Thanks, Denna Geek. Um, the the Rancor has been named in um, from Return of the Jedi, and that Rancor's name is Patissa. Is that so, in the novelization or from a certain point of view or something? 
So that's one thing Denny can work on their references because uh, they don't have any. But um, I believe them. I'm trying to think. It's probably in. Um, it's probably in certain point of view because they do a long bit on the Rancor's keeper. Yeah, I remember. That. Yeah, I remember right, uh, something in from a certain point of view. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure she's named there, and that's um, that's where it was. So. I don't know. They can always wreck on that, or you know, maybe Jabba gives Moochie a new a new name, or maybe Rancors get new names and they get older. Like who knows? But um, there's also lots of languages. We don't know what the Rancors' name is in different languages as well. So. <laughs> we're, we're giving them a lot of ground here, a lot of gray area. Um, but I mean, we're certainly led to believe. I mean, that's Bib Fortuna. Those are Gamorrean guards. The timing is just right. Timing is pretty good. Be- it's perfect for like where how old it would be when but it would it would feel kind of sad because now i like muji i know <laughs> and like no oh, now you relate to malakili rushing out there we sobbing you're yeah yeah you now know you now you now relate oh man you're like oh no muji <laughs> also known as patisa maybe it's we'll muji it'll never be the same it'll never be the same again I know. Well, you do feel bad. You just Actually, like, I kind of want to watch it. I want to boot it up right now. I kind of want to watch uh, Return right now. Return? Yeah, dude. I'm uh, fired up. Um, so, yeah. So, but so we get a scene. We get another. Maybe this is the sign that Omega is a Jedi because we see her riding a Rancor at the end of this episode. And it's like Jedi on a Rancor, like, was, you know, this oh, huge in the comic last in the week. comic right and we actually haven't seen that yet that's going to be the next high republic comic because we'll actually see a jedi on a rancor right. right yeah but they've been teasing it for weeks now and like i mean all you got to say is jedi on a rancor <laughs> and shirts. so shirts yeah shirts <laughs> we need a minox shirt too i i feel like we're that's missing from our store yeah proper just like minox like at least at least it's not Minox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you're having a bad day. Something. Like at least it's not a Minox. At least it's not, not Minox. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, hide your power converters. <laughs> um, yeah. So fun Yeah, did we did we cover it all? Could we did we talk about the boxing match between Wrecker and the Rancor? <laughs> No, I mean, that was just comic relief. They just like tired each other out swinging and ended up hugging. I was like, that ends in a sleeper hold. Yeah. And they still, you know, they did feed that like this weird subplot that's going to land someday um, about record, like not being quite right and his head hurting. Oh, they telegraphed that hard in this episode. And so I was worried over again. Yeah, I was worried this boxing match was going to knock something loose, and he was yes. going to escape on. I it. thought he was. I thought the rampage was Wrecker. I was like, I thought it was inevitable that Wrecker was going to melt. His chip was going to malfunction, and he was going to just become a Hulk, like like yeah. the first Avengers, and just Hulk out. Yeah, uh, that's going to happen. You know it is. But yeah, that might have been it because even Wrecker was in the thumbnail of this episode too with the Rancor and. Um, Muji and yeah, I thought he, I thought he was gonna. This was the one, but nope, he's good. Um, and then they, you know, they completed their mission and went back to Fort Mandel and got paid. And I, I just wondered, Sid, Sid offered him more work. I really like this. They're really slow playing the like 
okay, you were clones and you were soldiers and now you're free. And like, what are you going to be? And they just, they have no idea. They have no idea what they're going to be. They just like, all they know is the next mission still. They're just yeah, like, as a, there's a great moment in this episode where I think like tech, like hangs his head and he's like, this isn't standard military operations. Like we've never done this before. I have like, yeah. I have nothing to compare this to. Right. They're, they basically don't know how to function outside of, yeah, you know, standard operations. They were still programmed. They were still programmed beings to just be soldiers. It's like, how do you defy your programming and like figure something else out? It's pretty fascinating. I never thought that would be a storyline that Lucasfilm would tackle, but, um, you know, Filoni's it's like, almost up like to THX snack. in the army. You know what I mean? Like that's almost yeah. what it feels like to me in a lot of ways. That's a really good point, man. That's a really good comparison. You're just like, what do we do now? How do we, how do we feel like copies of a copy of a copy and then living a kind of a rationed out life, you know, under big brother and then having to, you know, go out and just, I guess, you know, what it's like, what freedom's like after that or what it's like to, to to break your shackles and escape and, and, be a deserter what is it like then and this that's this is what's the most fascinating part of it is that all they they're out on their own out in the galaxy being hunted by a mysterious bounty hunter you know like i love that there's threats from all around in this show it feels like you have fennec shand as a a major threat you have crosshair as a major threat um you know uh, tarkin or tarkin jabba jabba is now in the picture but obviously successful what was what was crazy about this episode was that it ended with a with a fair kind of payout it was like they got yeah. the money and then they the you know mission successful which was it was kind of happy ending in a lot of ways yeah that almost never happens right like you're waiting for the double cross but sid is wise enough to know that she actually has something good on their hands especially like that's a, how do you capture a rancor and like put it on a ship and take like how do you tell someone like that it's a person and it's a rancor. And I was like, how are you going to lure a rancor onto a ship? Like, you know, I mean, obviously they sort of humorously, they beat it into submission and took it with it and befriended it somehow. But um, I mean, that's, that's an impossible mission she gave them and they pulled it off. So she sees the value in them and is willing to pay them. And, and, you know, she could, they could make a lot of money together um, should they choose to do so. So Mm -hmm. we'll see, we'll see which way it goes. Um, and I can't wait for next week. It'll be fun. Bounty hunters. We don't need that scum. Scum, 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 scum. Welcome back to another Kyber Crystal Comics Corner Spectacular. Uh, we are continuing with War of the Bounty Hunters. This week, we are doing Darth Vader uh, number 12, Prelude into the Trap. Um just the kind of summary of this issue. This issue was mind bending. I, I think Greg, Greg pack is, is doing an incredible job, uh, with this issue. Everyone involved, actually the artist, um, uh, I'm going to do great violence to this name. Uh, Guayu Villanova, uh, Dean white with, uh, Giada Marchisio is the colorist the VCs, Joe Caramagna is the letter. Aaron Cooter and Richard uh, Isanova are the cover artists. Uh, this, this, the whole thing is just everyone is just working, uh, you know, firing on all cylinders in the, in this comic. 
I am loving this run, especially out of all the runs, I think. And I think it's because it's just deeply profound and they get to go to really dark places. There's actually an afterward um, uh, at the end of this comic that you can read um, a kind of letter from Greg Pak uh, about writing the comic. And it's actually, he, he just talks about just like, just how awesome it is that, that Lucasfilm and, and, you know, everyone has, has given him the green light to explore some of this territory with uh, Vader because it is, it's profound stuff. And like and Vader's relationship with Palpatine and Vader's relationship with Luke and obviously now Han, like the, the development with Han in this comic is incredible. Like what we get here. But um, anyways, jumping into like, the summary of this issue, I'll just summarize it for us because um, I'm sure you read it. I don't know when you read it, but um, uh, we are recording this you know, sometime after, after Wednesday when it came out. Um, uh, after learning the secrets of the Sith and glimpsing Palpatine's amassed power on Exegol, Vader is refueled with hate and a newfound sense of loyalty to his master. Uh, the Emperor decides to restore Vader's body and claims his hatred will be redirected towards a new enemy soon. While undergoing an excruciating restoration procedure, Vader dreams about his fateful encounter with his son during the Battle of Yavin and the YT freighter that ruined his perfectly aligned shot. As the vision and pain compound, Vader remembers an encounter with Han Solo on Corellia some months after the Battle of Yavin, where Solo was able to escape the Dark Lord's clutches to add insult to injury. As visions of Han Solo suffering flood Vader's mind, he speaks to the Void about Luke's potential to rule by his side. His philosophy that Luke's reliance on his friends is a sign of weakness. And even makes the eerie claim, this is quite possibly the best part of the comic, the eerie claim that Solo is only alive by his design. Uh, it's wild. Uh, and then Vader finally ends this issue uh, extremely in an extremely dark fashion, where he just he, he threatens to eliminate Luke because there is no room for another Sith. Like... Yeah, there's no room for another I don't know, an apprentice, someone by the emperor's side. It's just really yeah. dark. And he went to like level eleven. I didn't expect it. I thought he was like playing dumb or playing possum for um, the emperor, but no, they like that experience on Exegol that we just like read about in the last issue. Like once he's witnessed the you know emperor's power, he's. And, and suffered as much as he has to like get there to try to kill him and then to fall short. Like he's actually in awe of that amount, that amount of power and was like, okay, that, that is, that is what the dark side's talking about. That's what my master's talking about when he's talking about power. And he realizes that's why, you know, why he can't be Palpatine as of yet. And the only thing he values now is power. The only thing he respects is power. I mean, it's a crazy, crazy turn. I really thought, I don't know, because, uh, you know, when you see Vader in Return of the Jedi, like he's kind of a softy and, you know, they're calling each other father and son and he's speaking frankly and he's like, no, 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 I, I couldn't go back to the light side. It's it's too late for me. But it's like that that's a far cry from what we see in this comic, which is like he's going to kill his son like he's dead set on it. Right. And then after that vision quest, uh. Uh, that's not exactly the end of the issue. The uh, Vader does rise from the kind of the the medical table or the medical yeah. kind of holding, and uh, he uh, he calls upon Ochia Bastoon and goes out into the galaxy in search of Han Solo. And right. they actually uh, the first person they talked to was Boku the Hut, I believe. 
Yes. Yeah. So yeah. both of the huts going to be in there. And so this is a random, like, I mean, granted, he probably skips leg today, but he definitely works out. There's, it's like a jacked hut. <laughs> there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sprawled out jacked hut. Yeah. Um, yeah. Still, um, still surrounded by what look like bounty hunters. Um, like you would, you know, think a hut would be. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, live in the hut life for sure. But um, yeah, interesting. And and so this is going to be Ochi. I'm surprised they're letting it ride with Ochi. Wait, Bastille. Ochi and Vader? Where is that team up comic? Now right? I just want I, this is Vader it. This is it. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. And it's funny because Ochi's been pwned. Right. Ochi thought he was the the baddest guy in the galaxy. This art is before he met stunning. Vader. That last panel. Um, yeah. Villain Villanova is this art is unreal. This final panel, this the whole way through, we get a lot of um, Age. Palpatine's like confidants there. Sly Moore and um, what's the guy's name? Masameda. Masameda, thank you. But yes, yeah, Sl- Administrator Sly Moore and Masameda. Like I, I could talk about that. And yeah, there's some great lines from the Emperor in here, being like. He's he's too mad, you know, he, you know, he's too mad to come after me and you two are too, you know, aren't even on his radar. Like he's not even thinking about you. Like you're too far below him to, to concern, you know, to concern yourselves. And, uh, cause they're worried that like his, his, I mean, it's pretty cool. You never see Palpatine like talk to his confidants, you know, like, talk to anyone about any decisions and they're just like this is a bad idea by the way you should kill him he tried to kill you and he's scary and how you know sidious is like don't worry about it it's pretty wild yeah Um, yeah. and uh greg pack does such a great job just writing for the emperor's voice like every line that you hear like restore him completely yeah you know like Right. right Uh, like yeah, he will find his true enemy soon enough. Like it, it sounds like Palpatine, you know, like it's really absolutely. Well yeah. It's spot on. So it, they obviously had some work to do here. We're, I mean, we've been calling this war of the bounty hunters and for all intents and purposes, it is, but technically um, this is, Oh wow. That's a nice cover right there. Um, technically it is the prelude to the war of the bounty hunters. And um War of the Bounty Hunters 1 comes out uh, in June. It might be next week, actually, which would be pretty wild. Um, how, how happy were you to see the Karelian uh, uh, shipyard, the uh, YT freighter? Wow, dude, that was bonkers. <laughs> That's because you know it's like, well, like how come we only ever see the Millennium Falcon if, if this is a mass-produced <laughs> ship? And which then, one like, do you want? Did you are you do you have this page readily available? Because like, yeah. there are a bunch right here, and I'm looking at yeah, all they even dubs. they have one with like the uh, ejector ship in the front, like the Falcon originally had. Oh man, I mean they all look kind of the same. There's one with pink stripes. There's one with uh, blue coloration. Kind of like that lime green one on the left side there. Yeah, I kind of like that one too. You called it first though, so I'm I'm gonna take the one. Um, in the middle there with the gold and the pink with the actual like <laughs> full the escape pod on the front. That thing looks swank. <laughs> this is why we, this is why we read the comics. 
this is why you read the comics is for pages like this. It's just like a landing pad in the middle of like a like desert. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that, that's how in this. So this is after A New Hope, right? And apparently he went after Han Solo. And there was like <laughs> there was a Rodian. There's like dressed exactly like Han Solo coming down the like plank of a white crater, <laughs> and you're like, oh my god, that's Han Solo, and then he comes down, he's like, what? And then like Vader kills him because he's like close enough, and uh, yeah, um, it's wild, man, it's wild. But so apparently they were there in Corellia, and this is how they escaped, is by hiding amongst the other YT, um, was it one thousand YT, the YT one thousand, two thousand. Freighter. Well, uh, it's just YT series freighters all over the place, so they're different. Right, but I mean, they're like because technically the Ghost is a YT freighter as well, but it's um, it's a different number. I deal with like music gear all the time, and everything is numbers. It's like you, you have to. They're all no one has like proper names. It's always just like serial numbers. So you just start looking for that stuff. Um. Yeah, super fun, man. Fun. I mean, so they had to dovetail this into War of the Bounty Hunters and and had to tie in Han Solo, but I thought Pac did that beautifully, where it was like, okay, you know, if I want to hurt you, I'm going to hurt your friends. And, um, I mean, he, he knew that was going to work before, and now he's like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to double down and go after um, Han Solo, and that's how I'm going to get to Luke Skywalker, and then I'm going to kill my son, like, cold blood. Is this the darkest we've ever seen Darth Vader? Yeah, he's seems to be like fueled with hatred again. It's really, it's really, and he seems to be back to full strength, full power because his suit looks brand new. It looks pristine again. It's as if the droid has replaced all his parts. Yeah, and they also did a thing with like because the suit in the movies actually changed episode to episode. So this is actually kind of a nice nod to that. Be like, no, it's a new suit. Like, it's not the same one from um, A New Hope. So that was a cool way they tied that in. Also, for, like, action figures fans, it was cool to see Darth Vader without a cape. Just, like, him sans cape. And if you ever had the action figure, you probably lost the uh, cape, and this is what he looked like. But uh, Yeah, that's right. That's that's That part was... Yeah, and then he feels also like he's now loyal to the Emperor. He's bending the knee again. I don't... I don't... That that motivation's always been interesting to me. It's like, okay, you're... You're learning these bits about your son, and there is you may maybe want to reconnect and rule the galaxy with him, and then there's this cruel... You know, your cruel overlord is... Um, still, still wants you to be a henchman, you know? Subservient. Yeah. I wonder, you know, right now he's just in a bad place. He's that like, red kyber crystal. It's just, it's just like he's awestricken. He's now just he's yeah, transformed. Yeah, like he's he he's gone crazy. You know, like he yeah. he, he was like he went to of, the edge of space. He went to the unknown regions and lost his mind. And, yeah, and now he's just like all I know is pain and death and suffering <laughs> and power. Pretty metal. That's pretty metal. And I love that it's like I love that he saw this red kyber crystal, and now in this issue, the flashbacks are obviously um, uh, red, and uh, yeah. he's and it's like even you know it's the the moment in the trenches where he's you know on Luke's tail. 
Yeah. Um, crazy. Yeah, that was a crazy callback. Also, so I read all these things on my phone, um, the digital versions, and I, I just scroll panel to panel. And uh, it there were black panels. It was just like a tiny word yeah. on a huge black panel. And um, that was a new thing. It really brought a lot of intensity to the emotions that Vader was going through. He was just like, all I know is pain and red and blackness and red and pain. And because he decided to not take the anesthetic and stay awake while they did, they like cut off all his limbs again and like replace them and went through, you know, a torturous process of retrofitting himself. Like, and so this is his weird fever dream and all that pain and was, you know, it was wild. Yeah. Uh, so as he's getting this opera, the rest of this repair job as, as he's being repaired by this uh, yeah. robot, like it's, it's painful. He's wailing and screaming yeah. in agony as yeah. the medical droid is um, kind of hacking away. Yeah. Like he was when the first time he got the suit, like just screaming. Yeah. It's it's and then then the visions then we get visions you know uh, that are match cutting with like the pain and the screaming and then there's this like internal monologue that begins in in these black panels with the red text boxes like, like you're talking about super effective like you're like oh, okay he is in such a place of pain that now we're just like the panels just have no imagery yeah <laughs> it's just like ow all you know is black yeah pain yeah yeah. Yeah, wow, that was. I mean, this continues to be just a jaw dropping series. The the Vader series, it's the Vader series in particular. Um, yeah, and so we're um, the Afro comic also came out this week, but we decided um, since Adam couldn't make it and it's his favorite comic, we'd wait and do that next week. So I'm not sure how many comics are going to come out next week. Um, we could get there could be up to three. Like with the Afro, we could get Bounty Hunters one next week too. Uh, I think we have. I, I am going to pick up that uh, IDW comic digitally, or you know, uh, get a single issue. Weapon uh, of the Jedi. The Weapon of the Jedi. I'm going to pick up whatever comes out next week, and then I think we'll cover Afro next week as well. Definitely Afro. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we. I mean, if if um, Bounty Hunters One is out, or uh, War of the Bounty Hunters One is out, we might uh, cover that one too. Um, comics remain uh, awesome bedrock for star wars like it really it can be expensive but if you can you know if you can if you collect comics like you really get this fun narrative that just keeps on going and you know honors like your favorite parts of star wars through all history plus like creates these beautiful landscapes beautiful art and then moves the story forward um in in really exciting ways and backfills just like a lot of stuff you already know like i can't uh, I can't say enough good things about the comic series here. So it's been a blast. I'm excited to talk about more. Um, you know, it, it makes sense. This is how, why they've used High Republic. Like, this is going to be the platform for the High Republic. It's going to really flesh out this era, and then they can they can move it onwards. Yeah, With speaking the of parts, High Republic and comics, we have a new comic announced, Trail of Shadows, uh, which oh, really? was written by Daniel Jose Elder. It's a High Republic kind of detective noir. Is that going to be Marvel or IDW? I think it's Marvel. It's uh it's, oh great! It's, it's like a main run. It'll be a I think a yeah. Nice. That's cool that Alder gets to his own comic. That'll be fun to see because uh, 
Uh, well, actually, he did the the IDW comic. He's doing uh, adventures right now. Yeah. He's doing uh, adventures. Or right. Higher yeah. Public Adventures, I think. Or which I IDW love book. that. I love that comic, and it's like for younger readers. Yeah, it's yeah, awesome. it's cool because it's it feels cinematic in a way. We've talked about this on the podcast. It's these kind of young characters, uh, coming of age characters who are you have Zine and and Cricks, and like one is basically joined up with the Jedi and the other one's joined up with the Nile. So you get, it's like a microcosm of the, like, you know, the actual galactic conflict and it's yeah. cool. It feels very, you know, it's like almost like a Ray and Kylo type thing. And it's really beautifully done how he flips back and forth between the two. And they're like, they're almost a dyad, right? Like they're going through the same issues at the same time, but in, in polar opposite ways. Like one is like encouraging and helpful and, and heuristic and, um, empathetic and like the other one is like domineering and authoritarian and intimidating and ruling through fear instead of respect and like um and it's it's really cool parallel um it, and it's de- it takes a really deft hand to do it as well as um jose daniel jose alders done it so that'll be a great comic to uh to add to the to the group to the team um Anything else on your mind? Any other uh, things you wanted to uh, talk about here about Star Wars here? We got some bonus bonus time. That's Skug. Skug was a pretty good insult. I'm adding that to the slang dictionary oh, of my yeah. own compilation. Skug. Skug's maybe the like, best. We're one. not in the Republic anymore, you Skug. I was like, whoa. Okay. I was like, oh, okay. Skug. I, I like got it. real for a second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a like scab slug, scug. Who That's voiced great. the Zygerian leader? I feel like that was that was a really uh, strong performance. It was. That's a good question, man. I don't know who. Um, let me see. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can find that right now. This is why we have three people, so one guy <laughs> can and the other two can talk. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, that guy was great. I, I'm not a dang. I'm not team dank Farrick. I like I. Like A for effort, but like Dank Farrick as a they're really like trying to redesign the curse. And there's no I don't know. Yeah, like, I'm a fan of the original Ichuta, you know, like that's my favorite one. That's like they've been Ichuta, doing George yeah. does that all the George does it every second he can do it. He does it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. How rude. Uh, Nothing else? You want to add there? What are those papers there, Grant? You got some papers there? Uh, I was just thinking about what we didn't talk about. I feel like we talked about everything. We did. Already we covered it in a mere 60 minutes. Look at us go. Well, um, we miss Adam. Uh, glad he'll be back next week. Um, thanks for listening to us this week. And, oh, uh, oh, one last thing. Oh, and, and one last thing. In the Vader comic, there is quite possibly the best line of Star Wars dialogue I've heard in a long time. And I think it comes from Vader. And it's Vader thinking of Luke. And he says, I know there's power in you. And like we hear characters like say, I know there's the light still in you. Like yeah. Luke says this, Ray says this. You know, I've never heard the like the, the flip side of that. Yeah. That was wild. And I just applaud that this comic went there in a lot of ways. Right. That's the opposite side of it. It's like, I, he's not going to say, like, I know there's hate in you. Like, that would be stupid. He's like, I know there's power in you. Like, it's, yeah. that's, that's the motivating force that he needs to, yeah. you know, wants to bring him down. 
Oh, uh, there's a lot of power in Luke. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's going to be it. We're going to call it there and then probably talk about Star Wars for another two hours. Um, <laughs> thanks, everyone, for listening to us again this week. Can't wait to do it again next week. And as always, may the Force be with you. Always. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Coreworld News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you always. Yeah.